0: Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We're recording from Forsyth, Georgia. My name is Dr. Bola Sagadi. Today we'll be talking about the silly things yes, the silly things that women can do in and around pregnancy that can affect them or their unborn child. We're fortunate to have with us today Mrs. Shamika Brown. She's a mother, she's a wife. She's a nurse practitioner and the first lady of a church. She has been through pregnancy twice and comes with a wealth of experience to talk to us about these issues today. Welcome, Mrs. Brown, to our podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Bola.
0: Thank you. You've been through pregnancy twice indeed. Yes, Can you speak to us about your experience, just, you know, with the joy of having your two girls and some of the things that you had to do in your pregnancy?
1: Well, I will say pregnancy was absolutely the most beautiful empowering experience I've ever had in my life. But having experienced it twice, each one was very different. So first pregnancies, you're very excited. It's all new. It's all new information. You know, you buy every book, you ask everyone for advice, you follow all the rules. And the second one it was just a little bit different, and all the information that changed, even in very a very short period of time. I will say my pregnancies were wonderful, my birthing experiences were superb. I had a really great support system: my husband, my family, my physicians. You know, everything was perfect, even in the childbirth experience. You know. I know we'll get to this a little bit later on in the cast, but, you know, just planning my birth and experience ahead all the way down to what type of medications I wanted, if I wanted a natural childbirth or, you know, what are my limits and how far I was willing to go with the delivery of my children. Beautiful experience. I have no complaints. I can I don't know if we'll actually cover this, but I can say I'm a successful breastfeeding mom. I think that was one of my greatest accomplishments. So two children, no formula ever, not one day. So pregnancy was just very empowering and motherhood has been equally as rewarding.
0: Wow. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of women brag about the ability to breastfeed their babies. So that's a great accomplishment. So, you know, I was telling you, I once had a client that came and basically came in and said, you know, Dr. Sagadi, I'd like to have some red wine in pregnancy. She was pregnant and I told her about some of the risks of alcohol in pregnancy and why I didn't want her as her physician to use to use alcohol in pregnancy. And she was young and she said, well, my friend said red wine in particular is good in pregnancy. And I went further to explain, you know, some of the effects of alcohol on her as a mom, an expectant mom and on her unborn child. And then she went on to say, well... And I told her, no, she couldn't, I would advise her not to. And then she went on to say, well, I was told that this particular brand is good in pregnancy and doesn't affect your baby. And we had a discussion again and I said, no, again. And she went and said, well, what if I have just a glass? And I looked and said, well, you know, I've said, no, you've asked me this question four different ways, and I've said no every single time. How can someone like me communicate effectively to patients, especially young patients, about some of the risks, for instance, with alcohol use in pregnancy?
1: Well, I think the conversation really starts with, just helping condition a person's mind to understand exactly what their role is in their pregnancy. Essentially, your body is a reservoir. You're harboring the life of another person. Another person's every development depends on what you take into your body or your environment. Um, I'm one that I always say, you know, pregnancy is not just something that you have to prepare for with maternity clothes and baby clothes and things for the baby to get here, but you have to prepare yourself financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually to be able to carry that life inside of you. And, you know, some of the sacrifices that you make come with things such as taking in alcohol. You know, yes, your friend might say it's okay, but if this means the difference in me having a healthy, whole Fully developed baby, or not, then I probably can postpone that drink for a little while. So, just educating women on what that sacrifice entails and the long term rewards, I think, is a big deal. I know sometimes we can bend the truth (laughs) to be what we want it to be, but the reality is, you know, you are carrying a life that depends on you to make wise decisions, and making those decisions can be the difference in a healthy, whole. Child or a child that has permanent damage because of something that you did. Wow,
0: wow. And I, I know you talked about some of the things women can do in preparation for the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And can you elaborate on that for us?
1: Absolutely. So, And I I will preface this by saying that I know every pregnancy does not occur in a situation where we're prepared for the pregnancy. So that being said, as women, there are certain things that we have to do, whether we're getting pregnant or not, or planning for it, taking care of your body, having routine physicals, wellness exams, gynecological exams, if, if you've been exposed to sexually transmitted diseases. Diseases, treating those timely and just keeping track of your overall health. Certainly, if you have any pre existing conditions such as diabetes, heart failure, hypertension, you know, those things can impact your ability to have a safe pregnancy journey or a successful pregnancy, even. So, addressing those issues before pregnancy is ever a conversation is definitely the way to go. Also, I would say if you're planning to become pregnant, going ahead and starting those prenatal vitamins and not just doing it on your own or, you know, ordering pills off the internet, but consulting your physician. Because if that's a journey that you're going to take, you need qualified medical supervision to take that journey. And, you know, for so many people, the perception is that, well, you know, pregnancy is something that we've done for generations and we did it without Doctors back in the day, yeah, we did, but now we have more knowledge and you know more assistance through that process so that we can enter into it educated so that we can have a successful pregnancy journey. So, you know, taking care of yourself, wellness checks, dental care, just your health in general, vaccinations. You know, a big one right now is the COVID vaccine and whether it's actually safe for pregnancy. And now I'm happy to say it's been found that the COVID vaccination is safe for pregnancy, which is great, not just for the mother, but also for the unborn child, because now we know that that vaccine actually provides the unborn baby with antibodies as well. So that, helps them fight the COVID virus as well. So tending to those things before pregnancy is ever on the table is always a great option.
0: And I know some women have said that the COVID vaccine could lead to infertility. And then we know that there has been no evidence that getting the COVID vaccine leads to infertility. And, you know, just on the physical part of things, you know, even for women that don't have a lot of resources, if you were just to get your body physically ready for pregnancy, what are some of the things that doesn't involve a lot of money that you could be doing?
1: proper nutrition, mm. exercise, regular exercise, managing your weight. I don't think people realize the the impact that being severely over or underweight may play in your ability to carry a pregnancy to term safely. So managing your weight, getting um, proper rest. What else? Let's see. I would say rest. Managing your stress. That's a biggie. Those things are free. Now, eating is not free, but <laughs> 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 but eating properly is something that you have to make a decision to do whether you're going to have a kid or not. So doing those things, I would say, are the first steps.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are other things, you know, once you've done all these things to prepare for pregnancy, you are taking the right kind of nutrition, the right kind of medication, you're doing the right kind of exercises, you're losing weight and you actually do get pregnant. You know, one of the things we advocate is that for women to have early prenatal care and regular prenatal care, you know, because I see from an OBGYN's point of view, if something were to go wrong, because you are in front of a provider frequently, it's more likely that those things will be identified and managed. Mm-hmm. You agree with me on that?
1: Absolutely. You know, just having that relationship with an OBGYN that you trust, that, that's also a big thing because, again, we have, now that we have social media and, you know, information is just readily available, Dr. Google Solves a, not, a lot of medical problems and creates a lot of them at the same time. <laughs> so, being able to get that information from a trusted, reliable source is very helpful, as well as identifying things that may be problematic. They may not be problematic, but they may be something that you have to watch a little bit more carefully. Even myself, with a, and I, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but with my second pregnancy, my daughter some of my markers were a little bit abnormal very early in my pregnancy. And so although it didn't translate into any health problems with my daughter whatsoever, it did require that I had more closely be, that I had to be, excuse me, more closely monitored during my pregnancy just so that, you know, if anything came up, my doctors were already aware. So establishing that relationship, early prenatal care, because, you know, the development, the bulk of the development of the child takes place very early in pregnancy. So those early prenatal screenings, you know, early screening to know if you have diabetes in your pregnancy, that's a big deal. African-American women watching that blood pressure, you know, preeclampsia is something that we tend to see a lot more than other populations of people. So, you know, monitoring for those things and other complications early on can help you be better prepared if those are things you're going to face, but also if there's a way to avoid those complications and you can get in front of it if you're already, you know, on track and in routine of having good care.
0: And, you know, some of the women, when they come for their prenatal visits, they say something like, well, my doctor or my provider didn't do anything. They just did my weight and my blood pressure. And, you know, prenatal visit, getting the weight, the blood pressure, the vital signs, those are so, so many such important things that have to be done in a prenatal visit. So when you went for your prenatal visit, I mean, you went with a trusted physician. It was not a scary experience. And, you know, what are some of the things that that were just routinely done?
1: They always check your urine. You know, they want to test for any type of vaginal infections, sexually transmitted diseases. At certain points, they're doing lab work to make sure that the hormones that you should be replicating in pregnancy are at appropriate levels which are going to be important for the development of your baby. They're also checking for, you know, thyroid disease, any other type of abnormalities, HIV and AIDS, herpes, you know, multiple things. So, you know, sometimes it's blood work that they're checking, other times it's just it may be a finger prick, not necessarily a lab collection, but those vital signs that they're checking are just that they are vital. So, you know, at, at some certain points, they're checking ultrasounds of the baby. But for the most part, it's just monitoring you and ensuring that you're on track during your pregnancy, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is a lot. And it's very important. So keeping those visits consistent and you being mindful of you know, what's being monitored for you so that between those visits, if you're noticing things that are abnormal, or maybe your weight isn't, tracking appropriately, or you're not feeling as well as you should, or you're not able to eat enough. Those are things that you need to be able to share with your physician, because that may alter the course of your treatments when you're coming to your routine prenatal visits.
0: Wow, that's important. And now, you know, even now with COVID, there's also telehealth obstetric visits in which we call the patients at times when they have the ability, we can see them on the, on the call, like a video call. We can look at their faces, see if it's swollen. We tell them to show them their hands and to show us their hands and their feet. We can have them. There are so many devices now that you can use to record your blood pressure at home that are fairly accurate. And then we can just ask about symptoms. How are you feeling? Is your baby moving? Do you feel your baby move? So even with the advent of COVID, we are still able to continue prenatal care in, in a different way. So for a woman that decides to skip her prenatal care, visits? What advice? And, and, you know, I know women skip the visits for so many reasons. There's a lack of transportation or I couldn't get off work. Or what advice would you give the women and what is really the implication of doing this?
1: So my advice on skipping prenatal visits, don't. As a mother, and especially if, if it's your first pregnancy, this may be more of an issue, but if you've had a child before, not so much. As a mother, we wear many hats, as I said, you know, in the beginning. But you have to prioritize. So not being able to get off from work that could be the difference in, you know, something being wrong with your baby and you not knowing it for another two months. So, you know, you kind of just have to prioritize. And I do understand that sometimes certain circumstances are beyond your control, but just making that a priority, that that is your lifeline to your baby until your baby is here and safe in your arms. So not skipping the visits. If you must skip a visit, still reaching out to your doctor, call them. Telehealth is an option now, whereas previously, you know, we didn't really have that option, but you could always call the nurse and maybe leave them a message, you know, well, I had this concern, or could you give me a call back? Even a phone call is better than no visit at all, because that is your lifeline to your unborn baby until they're here. And in some cases, it may be the lifeline for yourself until you safely deliver that baby. So try to avoid skipping those visits.
0: Oh, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we we did talk about alcohol consumption. There are other substances that women could use in pregnancy that could be dangerous both to themselves. You know, because a woman who is consuming alcohol in pregnancy and, for instance, driving a car right. puts not only herself and her baby at risk, but also the other drivers on the road at risk. And there are other substances that women use in pregnancy I know, for instance, marijuana, a lot of women use, and they give the explanation that it helps with nausea, but we have found scientifically that it can be harmful to both the mother and the baby. So what is your advice on women using other substances like tobacco, marijuana, in pregnancy?
1: Avoid them. Just as even with some holistic remedies, avoid them. Many of these substances, of course, we know Cocaine is not, you know, going through the FDA to say whether it's safe and effective during pregnancy. Avoid that. But there are even some holistic remedies that they're not FDA approved. They're not tested in women. And though even if you can't pinpoint the difficulties that may come behind using them, again, you are the lifeline for your unborn child. And so avoiding those substances at all costs is definitely very important, not just because of the damage that the substance could do, but just like you said, you know, you could have a car accident because you've been smoking marijuana and you're inebriated, and you know, you can't make quick, safe decisions or, you know, you could fall, stumble, you know, we're talking about, methamphetamines, you know, many substances, all of these are harmful to the baby. Even some safe medications that you are able to use outside of pregnancy can actually cross the placenta and be harmful to your unborn baby. So keep Mm -hmm. that in mind, which is why it's also so important to be in close communication with your physician because they can advise you on these matters as well.
0: Now you talked about people like getting prescriptions of the internet. Can can people, I mean, what is your advice on self-medicating? Because don't. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, people say like, you know, I, my friend said I could use this and... Um, These
1: friends, you know, I, if it doesn't come from a doctor, I don't want to hear it. And, you know, so when I was pregnant, I was blessed because my physician actually had an approved list of medications that are safe for certain things that may come up, you know, on average in pregnancy and, you know, when you needed to call them instead of self-medicating. I think that's very useful. I also think this is where those prenatal classes come into play and, you know, good prenatal visits because that communication can be the difference in whether you're doing things that are actually harmful. So avoiding even standard medicines that you would say you could just take. Well, I'm nauseated. Let me pop one of these. No, 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 no. You don't know the damage that, you know, that could do to your unborn child or how it could affect your pregnancy going forward. So avoiding those things.
0: Wow. Wow. And I know some of the things you, we were going to talk about was stress management and proper rest. And I've had patients come to me like, you know, I have three jobs, you know, I can't what are you talking about, proper rest? You know, I have to make income or I'm the sole breadwinner for my family. And like, you're not being realistic. I mean, how can a very busy woman that truly, number one, needs the income, needs the resources, and number two, has to take several jobs just to be able to make ends meet? How can she manage the stress how can she get proper rest or somebody that has already five other children at home you know what practical tips do you have
1: oh that's a biggie so i'll just say prioritize not to say you'll get 8 to 10 hours i don't know if i've gotten 8 to 10 hours of sleep since i have had children so Women, we just find it, just (laughs) make it happen. But, you know, at the same time, these are priorities where it kind of goes back to proper planning before pregnancy as well. Because, you know, myself, okay, I'm a busy career woman. I know that we have a lot going on. My children are at an age where they need me in a different capacity right now. So before I consider another baby, I have to consider my current obligations because that baby, that pregnancy is going to require things out of me. But that baby, is going to require things out of me as well. And if I can't give them, then that's a consideration before taking on another pregnancy. But, you know, that's kind of like water under the bridge once you're already pregnant i would say just try to prioritize as best you can even if you can slide in a few minutes of something to help you relax and unwind if you do work multiple jobs make sure that you're eating properly make sure that when you are working that you're taking enough breaks that you know it's not the type of work that will be harmful to your health and pregnancy as well as to your unborn child and just making sure that you have enough of you to give yourself your unborn child, and your family that's already there, that's a matter for you as well. So prioritizing, that's all we can do as women.
0: Wow, oh, wow. And, you know, your career to becoming a nurse practitioner was probably long and tedious, a lot of hard work. And how, how did you just cope? How, If you were going to give advice to, you know, a career woman that wants a family at the same time and that wants to keep her family, how do you balance these things out, you know?
1: For me, priorities, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always enter everything with prayer. So those that have a spiritual foundation, if you don't have one, I encourage you to have one. If you have one, I encourage you to build it up because for me, it was honestly, it was prayer. So I knew that I was a nurse before I was a wife. That was my first career. And then I became a wife. I took a break from pursuing further avenues in my nursing career to get my feet wet in marriage and kind of figure out what I needed there. And then it was time to take on motherhood. I was actually pursuing my bachelor of science in nursing at the time that I became pregnant with my first daughter. So completed my bachelor's. I took a break because I knew I wanted to give my undivided attention to my children. And so my second daughter came shortly after my first and then, once I got everybody out of diapers and you know out of my bed, except for one person, um, <laughs> I went back to school, but I couldn't do that by myself. I had a village. My husband was a very strong supporter of me going back to school. My children, who were only, I think my baby girl was like eighteen months, and my oldest was three. When I entered into the program to become a nurse practitioner, and of course, we had a strong village around us, but I actually made changes on the type of work that I was doing at the time, just so that I could make the accommodations for the amount of work that I was taking in with my career so that I could have enough time to study, have enough time to give to my children. I was still nursing my youngest daughter at the time that I was entering into the program. And so I still had to make time for that. And so, you know, I say keeping your priorities. My career has always been a priority in my life. It has never been the main priority in my life, but it has always been very important. As a woman, I think it's always important for our children, especially if you have daughters to see you be productive outside of just being a mother, because even if motherhood is is your career, that's fine, but they got to see you find something that you're passionate about and do that. And I think that's important for the balance as well, giving you some of you as well. When I first came to the practice, I'm, I'm blessed that my doctors all support family. And so prior to COVID, I would bring my daughters to work with me periodically just so they could see what mommy does all day. And they would have a better understanding of what my day consisted of outside of cooking and cleaning and homework and picking up and dropping off and you know those things. And and that actually helped my daughter to have more patience with me when I was home in the evening because it's like, okay, now I see why mom was tired in the evenings. And so- that was one of the things for me, balance. But, you know, sharing your experience with your family, whoever your village consists of, I think that's a biggie because if you all know what you're working toward, you can work together. But if you're just kind of dealing with everything on the inside, Nobody knows what you're going through. I still have periods where I'm very overwhelmed, and I'm grateful that my village can allow me to take a step back sometimes when I just need to be there for myself a little bit, and they allow me that. So I encourage you to have a strong village around you, support system that you can trust, that you can love, that can support you in your high and your low points because you will have them, especially as new moms. I don't think we talk about that enough.
0: Wow. Well, I am just in admiration of everything that you've said because being a having been and still being a working mother myself i fully understand what you're talking about it's funny because some of the working moms come up with technologies now like they can they have hands-free breast pump they can do their work, you know, perform their surgeries or take care of their nursing and they, they're breastfeeding, they have all these silent breast pumps that you know, you can go about your day so it's, it's funny the way technology is even helping us to mm-hmm. really multitask and do, do all it. these things that we do. Mm-hmm.